Moncrief on News Talk. We do live, it seems, in an increasingly dangerous world. And the Thornish de Michal Martin yesterday announced that the Irish Army Ranger Wing is to get a custom-built HQ in the Curra in Kildare. This follows other announcements that the structure of the Rangers is to be revamped, including a name change. The idea seeming to be to make the Rangers a more integral part of our defence forces. What exactly do the Rangers do? Carl Berry is an independent TD and a former member of the Rangers himself. Afternoon, Carl. Good afternoon, John. Uh, so the, the thing is, every time you see anything written about the, the Ranger Wing, it's always secretive. Like, are there things that, you know, when you were a member of the Rangers that you can't talk about? Yeah, a lot of the operations were quite discreet and yeah. some of them might have been classified. It's just something you don't broadcast or, or telegraph. They're very, very private individuals who just get on with the job that they're, they're asked to do. Yeah, OK. And so is there, do they work domestically and internationally and, and do those kind of operations differ from each other? Yeah, both. You're 100% right there. So the domestic role would be counter-terrorism. Um, your, your listeners probably remember the, the counter-narcotics operation there a couple of months back on, on the MV Machu off the, the Car Coast. We also work with our intelligence services here and they work to do a lot of preparation for hostage rescue. So if there's a, a hijacking of an aircraft in Dublin Airport, for instance, or a train or a bus or a ferry, for instance, they'd be very, very adept at, at those skills. Then internationally, they work obviously from a peace support operations point of view with, with regular troops abroad, but also with the Department of Foreign Affairs for, I suppose, for close protection duties for the Taoiseach or the, the President if they were travelling overseas um, and with our embassy staff as well, just to make sure that other embassies are safe, uh, particularly in, in hostile environments. Mm. So so we, we, that sounds like there'd be many cases where it wouldn't even be reported that they're operating in countries or they've been sent on particular missions. Absolutely, just to just get on with it. It's very similar to the to the ERU in, in with the Garda Shikana, for instance. They wouldn't really be broadcasting what they do either. They just get on with it. And mm. sometimes you hear about it in the newspapers. I mean, for instance, I think the the MV Matthew assault, that kind of catapulted the range wing into the public conscience for a while, for about a week or two. Yes. Um, similarly, the the evacuation from Kabul there mm. um, in Afghanistan about about two and a half years ago as well, that made people sit up and go, oh, well, what's, what's going on here? You know, so every so often, maybe once every year or two um, they do uh, I suppose come to the, the notice of the public but as a general rule they stay below the radar and they just get on the job they've been yeah. through. Yeah and, and we did like we did an item here I think it was maybe a year or so ago but they, you know there are uh, the elite forces for various uh, armies do take part in competitions with each other and, and the Rangers always do very very well they have, they have a, a sterling international reputation yeah, and for good reason as well. Mm. I mean, the, the skills are excellent. The skill set is great. Mindset is good. Um, I suppose one, one of the reasons why they don't come to prominence a lot in the public and they don't seek any publicity is they just don't have time. I mean, uh. there's about 10 different <laughs> jobs going on concurrently I'd be, at know, the moment. I'd be, I'd be on the cover of OK Magazine or, or only for I was rappelling down a building yesterday. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's like national security implications. You know, there's things right. like they can't yeah. actually talk about. Absolutely. absolutely uh, rather, yeah. <laughs> rather than that. No, the, like... and. Uh, the, the, the kind of it seems as if they're going to um, increase recruitment of them. Uh, I assume even if you're a very well trained and seasoned army officer, it's a whole other uh, uh, job of business to become a ranger. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I mean, the, the selection course is nine months long now, and that's a grueling course. So you might have about the numbers fluctuate, but maybe fifty would show up on the first day, um, and maybe about ten would be left standing on the last day. So we've about an eighty percent failure rate. Mm. Um, if anyone's doing a, a college course or looking at their CEO application and they, they're thinking of a course and they hear there's an 80% failure rate, a lot of people would think twice. Yeah, but I suppose the, the kind of people you want to pass this course are the people who look at that 
20% pass rate and say, I want to be one of those 20%. I want to be still selling on the last day and I want to get into the unit. So that's the kind of highly motivated professions that you're, that you're looking for. Could you, and so why is it so difficult just to become one? Can you give us any kind of concrete examples of why it's so difficult? Well, again, just look at the MV Matthew. You're, you're asked to, to fly about 20 um, miles off the Cork coast in very heavy seas. You're asked to fast roll onto the deck of a moving uh, freighter vessel. You've no idea whether the crew are armed or not or whether they're going to shoot the helicopter out of the sky. Um, and you have to operate in that environment, dealing with a very, very uncertain operational situation in the glare of the, the national media, the international media, and really produce the goods. So I, mean, this, I suppose to answer your question specifically, the stakes are very, very high. And the margin for error is very, very small. And the best way to reduce that margin of error um, even more is to be highly, highly proficient at what you can do. They say, you know, practice so often that you can't get it wrong. And that's, mm. I suppose, that the motto of what they're mm. at. And so, I mean, our, uh, your average ranger would presumably have to be an excellent shot. That, you know, are there things like you're being able to go without sleep for long periods of time? You're, you know, your physical endurance for cold and wet and... Yeah, All those very much so. Actually, qualities are more important than qualifications. So it's about your, your, your I suppose, the raw material. You're looking for someone who's bright, uh, got good judgment and high ethical standards at the start. They're the kind of fundamentals that are needed. You can be taught skills, um, but you have to get mm. the character right first. And the nine-month course, I mean, you're going to start off with doing a lot of navigation on your own across the Wicklow Mountains at night and all kinds of terrain, all kinds of elements. Um, then move on to advanced marksmanship then, advanced radios, um, hostage rescue type scenarios on, on aircraft, gas rigs, etc., etc. Um, and then finally look at, I suppose, learning how to drive the, the unit-specific vehicles. If there's a lot of cross-country uh, vehicles down there with some advanced gunnery and uh, machine guns and that sort of stuff. So that's the nine months. That's just the basics. Yeah. Um, after that, you specialise in other parachute operations or diving operations and sniping then thereafter as well. Yeah. Now, the, the, uh, and, and as you understand that, that this new kind of revamp uh, for the Rangers, they're going to, even though it's the same... It's under the same body, but they're splitting him into separate kind of uh, units a bit. That like the, the the water bit will be separate from the the land bit. Yeah. So, so the restructuring was announced about nine years ago in the yeah. White Paper of Defence. <laughs> yes, I know. So obviously they're only <laughs> getting around it uh, yeah. now. Big but, news, folks, but yeah. it is only just announced it's going to happen. I suppose not massive changes. The, the ARW will stay the ARW, the Army Range Wing, and that will still be based in the Curra. But what the Rangers recognise absolutely is that they're, they're nothing without uh, the supporting arms, is how they describe it. These, these key enablers, like helicopters in Baldonnel, or like small rib boats in, in Hall Boland. So what they're looking to do is establish a dedicated Flight, for instance, of Air Corps personnel in Baldonnell. Mm. So it'll be the same helicopter crews, uh, the same helicopters every time the Rangers need a lift anywhere. So it just it, it engenders trust and mutual understanding and to replicate that down the Naval Service then as well. So the, the ranging will stay in the car for sure mm. um, but just these supporting arms that have dedicated flights and, and dedicated um, section down in, in the naval base who would be used to operating with the Rangers from there Alright yeah Now the Irish Times claims that they were going to change the name to Ireland Special Operations Force or EARLSOF which is a hell of a mouthful um, no, so, so the arrangement will sit tight as it is. Yeah. What will be created is, is a new umbrella uh, right. term, which is, okay. the, which is very similar to the UKSF. So the, the United Kingdom Special Forces, for instance, have a directorate in London 
And under that is the SAS and the SBS and the special flight in, in the RAF. So you're increasing the size of the special forces community in Ireland, um, but the Army Ranger Wing component stays exactly the same. Ah, right. Okay. Uh, somebody wants to know, my son is colourblind, but his dream is to be a ranger. Is that possible? Um, not possible, but depends yeah. on how colourblind he is. And uh, oh, right. Okay. That's a good point, because there are degrees of that, all right? There yeah. is, yeah. So my uh, advice would be, give it a go. Why not? Yeah. Um, what's the worst they can say? Yeah. Um, you, le- you never know unless you, unless you try. Yeah. Now, they were, according to the, again, this is according to the Irish Times, a report to a director of special operations be led by a colonel. uh, um, uh, uh, Previously, it was a a commandant. So it seems like as if they're being given a greater, a more important role within the the defence forces in general. And that seems to be something that's happening in many Western uh, defence forces. Why is that? Yeah, absolutely. I suppose it's something that's happened in most Western Defence Force about 20 years ago, really. Yeah. And now Ireland is catching up. So we're just plugging in the, the Special Forces community into a higher level of, of authority in the Defence Force. So they're more involved from the very first step in, in decision making and planning, for instance. And the reason being is in the past, you'd have tens of thousands of troops and major confrontations on the conflict. But the macro trend is that you're moving towards small, more niche operations. So you have less troops, but they're much more specialised and much more higher trained. And mm-hmm. now Ireland is, is following that trend. Yeah, does would that have implications then for um, Ireland's traditional role, but in you know in peacekeeping operations, as you probably know that the, the um, uh, this year it's coming to an end in uh, the Golan Heights. That's 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 uh, the last deployment that the Irish troops will have as part of UNDOF. Um, so is, is is that kind of being? reduced a bit, that commitment, that international commitment being reduced a um, bit, do you think? No, not really. Well, I mean, if you look at what the range wing did um, over the last 20 years overseas, they deployed to East Timor um, at the turn of the century. Mm. They had a platoon there for about four months or eight months, really, because they, they rotated. Then they went to Liberia. They went to Somali before that. They went to Chad. So I suppose the range wing can be deployed as a unit um, overseas as well. So that, that would solve that capability. But to answer your specific question, the numbers in the Defence Force are dropping. They're down yeah. towards 7,500. And that does affect Ireland's capability and capacity to deploy overseas. We used to have 850 troops overseas at any one time. We, we, can, we can barely maintain 500 now, you know. That, yeah. that doesn't reflect well. Is that to do with pay, Carl? Really? Um, it has to do with pay, yeah. So pay is number one reason. Um, number two, purpose is up there as well. You know, um, a lot of the resources that should be provided to defence forces aren't. And uh, give me an example. Remember the, the Kabul airlift there mm. two and a half odd years ago? We didn't have the aircraft uh, to extract our own citizens, um, which is yes. quite embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're a professional, if you take your job seriously um, and you have to hitch lift with another nation, it reflects very poorly on, on the country. And um, I guess if you're not being resourced properly, if you're going to task somebody, you have to resource them as well. But there is a bit of light at the end of the tunnel that the, the state is providing an aircraft. It's, it's signed a contract and it's next June, so in about 18 months' time, Ireland should, for the very first time, have its own capability to deploy its own people. Um, with vehicles on board to extract our citizens if uh, a subsequent evacuation operation is needed. Yeah. Uh, JP in Galway says, uh, colourblind soldiers are used as spotters in the US remains uh, re- Marines because camouflage doesn't work on them if that light wants to go to America. If that light wants to go to America. Is that true? Hmm, unknown. But I, I would say give it a go. I mean, uh, I suppose what we're hoping for as well, if people are highly motivated, they'll always find a way to get around things or, or yeah. prove themselves in other ways. You know, yeah. I, would, I would say definitely if that individual is interested in joining, absolutely. Tag off and let's go. Carl, thanks very much for coming in to us today. That was uh, uh, Dr. Carl Berry, TD, himself also a uh, former member of the Ranger Wing. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We'll take a break. 
Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.